You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We have them on back weekly with the NBA season starting today. The Hornets debuting tomorrow uh, against the Chicago Bulls, tipping off at 7 o'clock at the Spectrum Center. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. He's on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. A lot of interesting storylines to look at coming into this season, Rick. And I think the starting lineup is something that has been tweeted about a little bit more uh, via the nation of that is Hornets Twitter, you know, trying to figure out exactly who's going to be the starting five. Borrego says... Terry Rozier is locked in, and he also says Cody Zeller is locked in with the other three guys kind of up in the air right now. Rick, if I were to ask you, how would you think that a starting five is going to look tomorrow night against the Bulls in the debut? Well, it certainly doesn't surprise me, and I'm sure it doesn't surprise you all, that um, Rozier and Zeller are locked. I mean, in my mind, they were locked, you know, before Summer League started um, because there's a huge gap, frankly, between them and anybody who would back them up. I don't think that comes to any surprise about Rozier. Um, I'm kind of surprised sometimes that people will say to me that they think someone other than Cody um, Zeller should should be starting at center. Because, I mean, my God. Uh, I mean, Billy Hernan Gomez is coming into the last season on his contract, and he is a long way from somebody who you can trust enough defensively to start. Um, I think there's a perception because Cody's been hurt a lot that he's a, quote, old guy, and he really isn't. Um, Cody, there's no logical reason among the people with the large veteran contract, there's no reason that Cody cannot be a starter on the next playoff team, whenever that is, in two or three or four, whatever years. I don't see any reason why Cody can't be the bridge guy. And what, But what you really ask me about the other situations, um, I think it would be very easy to start Bacon and P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges. I think where this gets a little more involved in terms of the decision James Borrego has to make is whatever anybody else thinks of Nick Batum, he is to a degree this team's security blanket. He he has the widest skill set of this team. He is the best ball mover still on this roster. You know, I mean, you know, I think what, what he does best are things that probably matter more in the absence of Kemba Walker and, and Tony Parker. And I think what's in the back of JB's mind is whether he starts or not, Nick has to play a whole lot this season because they're really going to need his organization and they're really going to need his defense. Well, Rick, let's go back to Nick Batum then because Nick Batum, I mean, he had some comments about, not starting and letting the younger guys go into the starting lineup. You know, what did you make of Nick's comments about his role with this team? I think it very simply, he was just making an effort to be a good teammate. I think he was letting Borrego know that there wasn't going to be any unintended consequences if he decides to bring him off the bench. Walker, I know what I'm about to say here is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I think Nick gets too much criticism in this town. I, I think that I understand it. I understand that he signed this massive contract and people think he isn't living up to it. I understand that he becomes the flashpoint of a whole lot of general frustration with the organization. But you know something? I, you know, Nick, yeah, you know, you'd like him to be a little less laissez-faire. You'd like him to be a little more effective. But 
in general, Nick does the same things now that were appealing the first season he was here. He's a ball mover. He's a decision maker. He's a guy who makes the offense run more smoothly. And frankly, he's one of their two or three best defenders. Um, is that worth paying him $120 million? No. But that is their fault. That's not his fault. And the idea that Nick is responsible for them overpaying him, I'm sorry, I think that's a little wrongheaded. Rick, looking at P.J. Washington, it's someone that also seems to have done a lot of some little things with this team in preseason, but also has done the scoring and has looked you know, very good in his little time that he's played already with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, non-existent time almost. You know, what's so intriguing about P.J. Washington from what you've seen before the regular season starts? I, I think everybody, Mitch Kupchak and, and James Borrego included, is surprised how well he shot from three-point range. Um, it's a small sample. It's five games, but gosh, for a guy who, you know, because of an injury, couldn't play in summer league, he hasn't missed a beat. I thought it was really telling when Marvin told, when when Marvin Williams told me that when he was talking to PJ on the bench in the second half of that Boston game when he played so well in the first first preseason game, um, Marvin asked him if anything surprised him, and PJ said, "Yeah, I thought this would." be moving a lot faster than it is when an NBA rookie tells you that the game isn't moving as anywhere near as fast as he anticipated that's a really good sign pj washington had a really good preseason as we both agree rick i thought terry rogier had a pretty solid preseason who would you say had the better one um i would say pj washington just because the bar was so much lower i mean you know after he didn't play at all in summer league, considering what you know, guys the Hornets have taken at that point in the draft, how they've underwhelmed. You know, I think we were just, you know, it, it didn't take a lot for for us to go, whoa. I think we expected more of Terry Rozier, and I think that he has played well. Um, I thought it was interesting the other day. I'm, I'm curious if you agree with me that Mitch said that he has been that Terry is a better defender than Mitch anticipated. Um, Gary's a really good defender, and I heard that all the time um, when I was asking coaches and scouts who I know at Summer League. I said, I said, I haven't seen Rozier play all that much. What, what do you know about him that I might not have seen from just, you know, seeing him in bits and pieces? And everybody told me, you know, he may not be the greatest defender, but he really applies himself. There's a ferociousness about the way he tries to defend. That is probably maybe the only way that he is a clearly better player than Kemba, but he is better than Kemba that way. Yeah. I I think you got a lot of mixed reviews about his defense coming into Charlotte. Like if you look at all the NBA pundits that have written anything about Terry Rozier, that I think they've kind of been a mixed bag, but I agree. I think that it's someone that you're right to say he's ferocious. I think you're right. There's, there's certainly not a lack of effort on his part on any given possession. I mean, Terry plays hard and I think that's going to win over some fans in a way that's going to be really tough to win over the fans when Kimball Walker's gone and you just happen to play that same position. I, I think the fans are going to be pleased with the effort of Terry Rozier and it'll be interesting to see exactly 
how uh, welcomed he is by the Charlotte Hornets fan base. All right, I want to take a quick break. We're going to have Rick back on with us in the second segment. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On. That's all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout. We'll be back in a moment with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing... Mm -hmm then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. It's really tough. I've tried it. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Walker Mail, Doug Branson, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Uh, Rick, can you help me make sense of why Michael Jordan is saying crazy things like Steph Curry isn't a Hall of Famer right now? No. He <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. You know, when I heard that, <laughs> I went back and checked it. I basically reverse engineered the notion of this. Um, there is not a single player who was named a, a, an, an NBA MVP at least once, who is retired, who is, was, did not end up being elected into the Hall of Fame. Steph is a two-time MVP, the first person in NBA history to be unanimously selected by the media panel as an MVP. He's a six-time All-NBA player. He is a six-time All-Star. If he quits tomorrow... He would be in the Hall of Fame. It is absurd to suggest that he has to do one more thing to belong in Springfield. Right. But, I, you know, I mean, isn't this less about Steph Curry's resume? You don't think like MJ was actually thinking about Curry's resume, right? Like anytime he speaks about other NBA players, it seems like he uses it as an opportunity to tweak and, and troll. Isn't that kind of that was my read on it? I, I, guess, I think he was just being playful, and quite frankly, Doug, I'll, I'll tell you, I think one of the reasons that Michael doesn't do a lot of interviews, and I like but I like this about him, is he's unfiltered. It's, it's hard for him not to shoot from the hip when he is talking to people. And so for that reason, I think he's very careful about how often he does talk about talk in those situations. And I know... I, I, mean, I don't think this. I know this. Um, he is reluctant to do things often because he knows that whatever he says is going to be dissected. Rick, when you look at the Charlotte Hornets team as a whole, and we look at the press conference of Mitch Kupchak talking about how to measure success, and James Borrego brings up the four pillars constantly, uh, I'll ask you, how, how do you think the Hornets' success should be measured this season? It sure shouldn't be less it sure should not be measured in wins and losses. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I think it would be counterproductive to look at it that way. Um, I think that you should ask yourself, are they better in January than they are in November? I think you should ask whether um, the young guys are, whether you can see marked improvement and more consistency. Um you know, I, I, I was, I've been asked before, you know, how will you be able to tell if the 2019-20 season is success? And the way I've answered that question is four people, Rozier, Bridges, 
Washington, and Bacon. At the end of the season, do the Hornets know what those four guys are and what they're not? And if they don't answer, if they're not able to answer those questions by the end of this season, then the next six months will feel kind of wasted. I totally agree with you there. This is a season of of discovery. And I wonder if we should add one more name to that list, James Borrego. Yesterday, Mitch said that Borrego has to, quote, address the players, and he's got to look energetic and look confident and look ready for the next game. And I believe he was referencing after a loss specifically. Uh, I wonder, because he mentioned energy a lot. I mean, he mentioned that, I think, seven times, both referring to players and coaches. But I'm wondering... Is Mitch implying there in that quote that I just read that there were issues maybe in year one with with that, with the, the looking energetic, with uh, addressing players after games? I, I, I don't think that's what he was after, Doug. I think what he was after was that JB as a rookie coach took losses really personally, really hard. And I think that I think that Mitch was um, has been saying consistently, if they're no longer going, you know, if they're now in this, well, I guess the term is transition, what a BS term that is. Um, if they're going to be in this mode, then they need to make peace with it. Hmm. And I think JB's there. Quite honestly, you know, if you notice, like one of JB's favorite words these days is clarity. I think that's code for, you know, I had a multiple agendas to please people about last season and I wasn't going able to succeed because I had too many different things and people to please. Um, I, JB, by the way, is a very different person in terms of how he's functioning than he was a year ago. I don't know if you guys saw the story I wrote, but it was very interesting to me that Marvin Williams said he tried too hard to keep people happy last season. JB admitted when I, when I ran that past him that that's true. Um, it, you know, when he told me in September he doesn't care about contracts and salaries and where people were drafted. I took that to be his little declaration of independence. But he isn't going to worry about what other people think, and that's important. The Hornets uh, and, the, and the Bobcats before them and then the Hornets before them, they employed a few first-time head coaches in, in their day, and you've been covering the team the whole way. I mean, have you have you noticed that in, in first-time head coaches? Uh, Clifford, I mean, he was he was a first-time head coach when he came to the, to the Hornets. Uh, do... Did they have those same kind of issues with with figuring out who to please and being clear about their objectives? I really think the difference was um, most of those other people had been a head coach somewhere before, um, and and JB was you know I mean he was not like you know the most obvious person for this job, and he was working for Michael Jordan for the first time, and. Doug, I honestly think it was less about him than it was about the situation. Mm. The way I've described it in the past is they never decided last season whether they were a cow or a fish. They finally decided now they're going to be a fish. Interesting. Uh, one more question about that Mitch Kupchak uh, press conference. Um, does does Mitch Kupchak, in your opinion, does Mitch Kupchak or any general manager really have a responsibility to sell the fans on the direction of the team. Walker and I talked about this yesterday. I was trying to remember back to the Sam Hinkie process, and it didn't seem like Sam Hinkie did a particularly great job of selling the process to fans, like coming out and publicly speaking about it and saying, okay, here's what we're going to do, and this is why you should be excited about it. Does Mitch or any general manager have a responsibility when they're on camera to sell the fans on a vision of, of where the team is going? I think 
sell is a bad word to use. I think explain yourself is a better way of putting that. I thought that, for instance, um, Mitch, at, you know, when he had that media conference call after it was official that Kemba was going to the Celtics and the Rozier was coming to here, you know, they had a week to prepare for what he was going to say that day. And what came out of his mouth was, you know, it was confusing to fans. It certainly wasn't reassuring to fans. So I think anybody in that position has a responsibility to um, communicate to the fan base what they're trying to do and what, you know, what they're doing to make that happen. Um, sell might be the wrong word to use, but you need to be able to explain yourself. You don't need to tell companies. There's a difference between telling company secrets and being transparent about what you're doing and why you're doing it. All right, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us what I think will be the first time of a weekly hit. Once again, excited to start it up again. So you can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, really appreciate the time. Look forward to doing this all season. Absolutely, guys. You guys have a good day. Thank you so much. That was once again Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We'll be back in just one moment for the last segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks to Rick Bennell once again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You can also join us on Patreon. We have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content. Patreon.com slash LOH. Again, Patreon.com slash LOH. For just a buck, you can keep our hive alive. And we just added a new B. Well, an OGB. Back to the hive, Doug. That's right. What do we got going on at Patreon? I'm calling him the Podigal son. He has returned. David oh, Walker. Brilliant. It's good. I... I just sat you at, yourself on the back for that. Oh, one. I did. I sat in a quiet room and just, and just enjoyed it. Sipped it like a fine glass of scotch. Mm. Uh, but yeah, our first episode, that, of, whirl it around in my wine glass. That's right. The yeah. I, I had it in a schnifter. Have you ever had a, a schnifter glass? That sounds like a dirty word. It does sound like a dirty word. Uh, let the boys watch is the name of David and I's new podcast. And it's only for Patreon subscribers. If you are on the $3 level. So it is, a premium tier product because oh, we're a okay. couple of premium not, tier not, podcasters. Not for you, nothing for you cheap guys. Why don't you ante up a little bit? Hey, listen, I appreciate and and, and we appreciate every dollar that Patreon subscribers uh, give to help the show out. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an hour long show every week. We went an hour and 20 in the premiere because we had so much to talk about, catch up on. Um, but it's, you know, it's just something for the guys that are, they're throwing us a few extra dollars and the gals too. So thank you so much uh, for all of your support. And uh, yeah, so let the boys watch premiere. You can catch it now. Patreon.com forward slash L O H. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about this because I've kind of envisioned a very, very, very small colony like the ringer, like Grantland, of just getting 
some of our a couple of people in there, right, to produce some content. Like I, I want to hear David's shoe takes. I want to hear your guys' TV takes. We're going to give you the Hornets takes and the NBA takes. We'll get some of that from David as well. I, I love the entire premise of that. So I appreciate David Walker joining the Patreon page once again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, yeah, David's working on a sneaker podcast, and I may be talking to Nada about doing something. Uh-oh. So if you've if you've Uh-oh. missed Nada's voice, have no fear. He may be he may be returning. I miss not his voice. There's so many times I've said on this podcast that we need to get him on the show and then it just doesn't happen for one other reason. He's a busy guy. One reason or the other. So he is a busy guy. So I'm excited to see where our Patreon page takes us. It's going to be exciting. So again, patreon.com slash LOH. All right, Doug, Rick Bennell's takes, Rick Bennell's answers. What stuck out to you? What was something that you noticed? Where, Where do you want to drive this bus right now? Where are you going to take us in the third segment? based off what Rick said. Well, I think people would be very interested to know what we think that Borrego should do for this starting lineup decision. We know Terry Rozier's a lock. We know Cody Zeller's a lock. For me, that makes a lot of sense. And the question I think really is at this point, I think there are two options. You either stick with what you had in those final few preseason games. So you're talking about Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, and P.J. Washington. Or I think the second alternative is inserting Nick Batum into the lineup. Now the question is, do you insert Nick Batum into the lineup to give that to give some more defense, to give some more organization, some more to make sense of the offense a little bit more so you're not constantly having to run up and down. You can execute some half-court offense, but do you insert him for PJ Washington? Possibly Miles Bridges. See, that's the cool thing is that this Hornets team while they are young, they are a little bit more interchangeable in terms of the pieces. So they've got more options. Uh, Walker, what do you think? I mean, what do you, how do you think this starting lineup should should go down? I think Nick Batum should be in there. I, I really do. And and the reason why, I'll tell you who I take out, though, Doug. I don't take out PJ. I don't either. I don't, take out, I don't, either. I don't I agree take, with you. I, I don't take Miles Bridges out either. I, I take Dwayne Bacon out. I just think I disagree with you on that. See, I think it should be Dwayne Bacon, Nick. Batum. Oh, they're not take, taking out Miles. You put Miles. He's had a tough preseason. He, he hasn't. I don't think he's shown enough to deserve a spot over PJ Washington or even Dwayne Bacon. I think Bacon has performed well. It gives you gives you a little bit two way play. Gives you a little bit more offense. Attacks the rim a little bit better. I don't than know Miles if Dwayne Bridges. Bacon has played well though. Like, can we say Dwayne Bacon played better? Than, well? I think like, he's he played better than Miles Bridges. Okay, okay, I hear you on that. But I don't know if he's played well. And you're right about that. I just, Miles Bridges is going to start. I mean, that, that's your first round selection last year that needs to take a step up. I, I have a feeling Miles Bridges is going to start. I'll be surprised if Miles Bridges is on the bench. Here's why I go Nick Batum. Because when you have, I've talked about this already, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, and P.J. Washington on the floor at the same time with a Terry Rozier and a Cody Zeller. Like, I, I just, I want more passing, Doug. That, that's just such a that's so many shots you know Terry Rozier if he can facilitate then maybe you can get away with Dwayne Bacon a little bit more like he showed that he can facilitate think he had a nine assist game think he had another eight one in preseason okay cool I can get by with Terry Rozier being a guy that can pass a little bit more and if Dwayne Bacon wants to if you want to put Dwayne Bacon in at the two then maybe I can get down with that a little bit more but I do want someone that can be a smart defender. I want someone that can facilitate a little bit more in between, maybe have, you know, Nick Batoon be the two and then Miles and PJ be the three and four, because I also want to get Bridges and PJ Washington minutes on the floor together, because that's how this works in the end. It's 
getting all your first round picks on the floor together. That's the starting lineup. People are going to be mad at me for putting Nick Batum in there. It doesn't mean that I think he's amazing. doesn't think that I mean that he should get paid $26 million. And it doesn't mean that I'm not weirded out by the weird hand gestures Doug has given me right now. It just means that I think Nick Batum would suit better for that starting lineup. It's like uh, one of those push mowers where you got to keep pulling the cord to get it started. I'm just pulling the cord waiting. waiting it's to... more like expecto patronum waving is what more it like. Well, I mean, I'm, that, ba- I'm about, like about to, ca- I'm about to cast a spell and make all of your arguments disappear because they're, they're not smart. Uh, so, Ooh. so here, <laughs> okay. Nice. I went hard at first and then I sort of didn't land the plane very well. I just called you not smart. Um, uh, here's the thing. I think you, you, uh, the, here's why I would put in Batum over miles bridges and leave Dwayne Bacon in there because you need another player in there with Terry Rozier that can actually take the basketball and get you a bucket. And I don't think Miles is that guy. He hasn't shown himself to be that guy. You have to facilitate for him. He's turning the ball over too much. I think Dwayne Bacon can be that guy because I'm done. I am done expecting Nick Batum to uh, try to understand that he needs to take over offensively at some point. Like, I mean, I'm not, I, I never expected him to do it game in, game out, because that's not who he is as a basketball player. But I thought at some point he would figure out, hey, this team's paying me a lot of money. Uh, there's going to be some nights when Kimba Walker doesn't play well. I should probably take over. And he just right, doesn't. He just disappears. Okay. What yeah. I would like, I would love to start Nick Batum, and I would love if he actually wanted to start. I think I'm frustrated when I hear comments that he is okay with with sitting on the bench to let some of the younger like it, it's not like his career is over. He's not in the same position that Marvin Williams is in. Like I get it from Marvin Williams' perspective when when he has been generally on the decline and his his body is sort of giving up on him and Father Time is catching up to him. Nick Batum still makes a lot of money from this franchise. It's one of the greatest, I think, heists in NBA history when you look at dollar amount versus production. I was looking, because of all this Dion Waiters noise in Miami, if you haven't heard, Dion Waiters uh, really wants to start, unlike Nick Batum. He wants to start so bad that he's causing a lot of trouble in Miami. I'm not saying you that You want that, characters. That's what you want. You've wanted no, characters no, on okay. this team for a long time. See, I don't want what Dion Waiters... I don't want what Dion Waiters is doing. I want what Dion Waiters is feeling. Uh, the, the, you know, wanting to start, wanting okay. to make an impact on the team. And Dion Waiters is only making $12 million! It's the contract. That's what it is. It's the contract that comes into the discussion. And I've, I get it. Here's really what frustrates me. It. I've seen several people so far comment something to the effect of like, way to be a great teammate, Nick Batum. How is taking up 20% of a team's cap consistently underperforming to the point where playing you less will help the team long term? How is that, quote, being a good teammate? How about you just yeah. how about you just want to start, want to make an impact and and play well consistently? No, this couldn't disagree more with some of that stuff. Like as far as Nick Batum, what do you do? You, you want him to start, and if he doesn't, you want to have him give back some money. Like, do you, do you, if is this okay if he's making only twelve million dollars to say, hey, I'm going to go to the bench? Like, I think you're looking at this from Nick Batum makes twenty six. He should want to be in the starting lineup because he makes that much money. Like nobody, nobody's arguing that the money is absolutely ridiculous. It's a what a bottom five contract in the league, and I don't think I don't think anybody's arguing about that. I think that it's just funny to me. Like Nick Batum, if he goes and says, "I want to start, I want to be a player that's in the starting five, give me the damn ball," I think, I think people would be mad at him for that. People would come at him and say, oh, "Nick, you haven't been aggressive." 
your entire two years here in Charlotte after the first year that you played, you know, go to the bench and let the young guys play. And now that where people are saying that, like now that Nick Batum says, you know, I'm fine going to the bench. That's cool with me. Now, here you go using the great the, the great platform that is the Lockdown Hornets podcast saying that Nick Batum should want to start. It's just that's the kind of stuff that I don't know if Nick can win. There's a lot of problems with Nick Batum, man. There's so many problems and I get all of that. I don't think some of those things that you mentioned are any of them. Oh, I, th- I think that he should. I really think that if if you play the game at a high level, that it's not too much and, and you play the game at a high level and you are rewarded for that, that you should want to make an impact for your team. I, to what, me, what, that, wait, Nick is making an impact, right? Like he's just doing it from well, the Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when a boulder falls off a cliff, it makes an impact. There, there you go. Right. Like <laughs> it makes a loud sound. All right. Very good. <laughs> very good. Right. I mean, he's, he's making a different impact. Are, are you are, when I Wiley think, Coyote you, runs off the cliff chasing Roadrunner? <laughs> that's that's the impact that I see. I have no problem with the comments from Nick Batum. I do think he should start, and I think it should probably be over Dwayne Bacon. Uh, is there anything else, Doug, that you have to take away from Rick Bennell on what he said, maybe on the season? Like, I, I know you were interested more in the James Borrego stuff with Rick. I, I feel like that was something you really tried to dissect, you know, what, what did you take away from what Rick had to say about Mitch Kupchak's comments on James Borrego and just his overall morale heading into the year? Yeah. I mean, I think Borrego is in a good place and I, but I, I still believe that he is being evaluated just like all of these young players are being evaluated. And, and if the team is not able to represent the, the kind of team that Mitch Kupchak and company want out of the Hornets energy, intensity player development like if we don't see player development I think that falls squarely on the 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 person that they hired because he was reported to be good at player development and I don't think that that would be unfair uh and and I think it was interesting too the the cup check you know not having to sell but wanting to but needing to explain yourself and explain yourself clearly and explain yourself in a way that the fans can understand, like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And to Mitch Kupchak's credit, I don't think it got any more clear than this. We don't have any all-stars on this team. Like, that's clear. <laughs> he was good. That's clarity of vision of what this team will be. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. It's Walker Mail and Doug Branson. Thanks again for listening to us on the Locked On Podcast Network.